Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 22. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're back for another episode. We'll be talking about inflation. A lot of people have asked me, hey, I always hear on the news why inflation is bad for me as an investor. And I also hear these things like, okay, the price today is X, but inflation adjusted, it's different. What does it mean when they adjust prices for inflation? And then what's this whole thing about some people talking about how the dollar has lost value over the years, meaning the dollar's purchasing power is down. And so I thought I'd, I'd go with a couple of these things, and I'll have some links, of course, in the show notes to some resources. And we'll actually talk about inflation since the 1800s, in fact, 1800. So a couple things here. Inflation is the idea that prices rise over time. And so the idea that, okay, you've got a good or a service one year, it goes up 1%, you know, something costs a $1,000, it goes up, inflation goes up 1%, and now it costs a $1,001. And measuring inflation, they use something called the CPI or the Consumer Price Index. And there's a few different ones. One of the, the popular ones is the CPI for all urban consumers. Uh, There's some other ones. A lot of those are available on the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, or if you Google FRED and CPI, you can download a lot of the data. But the idea of the CPI is this. You go back to a certain year, and it's kind of, if you think about a basket, and you fill the basket, like you go to the grocery store, you fill the basket with a bunch of stuff. You say, well, how much does it cost to buy everything that's in the basket? Okay, and then you, you look at the price that year in your base year, and then you look next year and you see you put the same stuff in the basket and you see what it cost and so on and so forth. Now, there's been a couple of adjustments. It used to be sort of a fixed basket of goods. And then they started using what's called substitution. So you've got a basket, you've got chicken in the basket. Well, chicken goes up exponentially. And they say, well, naturally, people would stop buying chicken and they buy beef instead. So they take the chicken out, they put the beef in, or you get the idea. And you, you have substitutes. And then later they did something called hedonic adjustments, which essentially tries to balance the price increase against any extra features or benefits of a product. So let's say you had an iPhone that one year was worth $1,000. Next year comes out, it's now $1,100. You say, well, it went up 10%. But what they do is if there's so much more robustness in the features and benefits they might not say, well, it went up 10%, but after we hedonically adjusted for all these new features and benefits, maybe uh, it's only you know up a little bit, if at all. So uh, you can Google hedonic adjustments. It gets a little bit uh, wonky. But the general idea you should think about is CPI, Consumer Price Index. It's a basket of goods, and you measure it year over year. And if it goes up, you have inflation. If it goes down, you have deflation. And it's one of the ways that you measure these things. So When we look at numbers, and a lot of times you'll find numbers, I mean, really since the early 1900s, probably 1913, 1920-ish, the BLS, Bureau of of Labor Statistics, has kept track of this stuff. Uh, You can pull up their website. You can download it. It's all free information. You can look on, again, the St. Louis Reserve Bank uh, on their site. But I looked at the Minneapolis Fed, so the Federal Reserve Bank of uh, Minnesota, or Minneapolis, I guess, right? And they have what I thought was interesting. 
a CPI from the 1800s all the way to 2018. And so I kind of started there to talk and illustrate about what prices have done over time and then what a dollar got you back then and, and how the purchasing power of a dollar has fallen. So a couple things on this, and they note it right on the site. From 1890 to 2018, it looks like they're, they're using the consumer price index. But from earlier on, from 1890 to 1912, there's a cost of living index by Albert Reese. 1851 to 1890, a consumer price index by Ethel D. Hoover. And from 1800 to 1851, uh, the index of prices paid by Vermont farmers for family living. So my point of telling you where this data is coming from, and they tell you right here, you know, it's going to be a little bit more accurate uh, over the last, let's say, 100 years than it is prior to that. But I did think it was kind of interesting just to see, you know, this whole idea of how the dollar is losing purchasing power and whatnot. Okay. So inflation is why it matters to investors, why it matters to retirees. It is especially important for those that are going to be drawing down income off their assets. Meaning, let's say someone has uh, a base of money and they're like, okay, I'm going to take 4% a year, 4% of a million is 40,000. I'm just kind of doing some round numbers here because I need $40,000 to live on and that's my that's my cost of living. That's the cost of a basket of stuff, my rent, my mortgage, or whatever else that you buy. And then if inflation's 10%, and let's hope it's not, uh, next year, that same basket of goods that cost $40,000 now costs $44,000. So you see, as inflation moves higher, the cost for goods uh, is, is going to go up as well. And so that's one of the reasons why inflation can be especially damaging to investors because it hurts their purchasing power. You can't buy as much or you need more money to buy the same stuff and keep the same quality of life or standard of living. So inflation over time does cut into your dollar's purchasing power. And to give you an idea of how this works, I pulled up the data from the, the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank, and I, of course, will link to that. And they've got a, a CPI index. Uh, they started at uh, 51 back in the year 1800. And so they've got data everywhere from 1800 all the way to 2018. And so if we look at 1800, we'd say, okay, that year the basket, you know, the CPI was 51. But let's think about just the value of a dollar. So if you had a dollar in in the year 1800, uh, a dollar was worth a dollar. Okay. And if you bought something for a dollar, then that's kind of, you know, you gave them a dollar, right? But what happens is if there is inflation, the purchasing power of that same dollar erodes a bit because you're not able to buy the same amount of stuff for that dollar. And so to give you an example, if we take, there's two ways to do this. You can do some math and do an adjustment And so let's say that you wanted to figure out the value of a dollar in $1,800. What you would do is you take the 800, uh, you know, the year 1800 CPI divided by the 2018, if that was the one you wanted to convert it to CPI, and you would get a number. If you wanted to get it in $2,018, you would take the 2018 
CPI and then divided by the 1800 CPI or whatever year you're, you're looking at. But to give you an example, a dollar, an 1800 dollar, and if we convert that, so the value of a, a dollar in 1800, uh, that same dollar in 1800 has eroded in its purchasing power. And now it can only buy about, you know, just below seven cents worth of stuff. So think about that. The dollar had the purchasing power of an actual dollar back in 1800 because you've had inflation all of these years. The purchasing power, if you bring it forward in, into uh, 2018, you're only able to buy a little bit less than seven cents. To put this into perspective, think about it this way. Let's say you got into a time machine. You had a dollar in your pocket in the year 1800, which is, I get this at this point, is what, 218, 219 years ago, if I'm doing my math correctly. So you get in this time machine, you've got, uh, you've got nothing else, you've got your dollar in your hand or your pocket, and you get out of the time machine, it's uh, the end of 2018, and you give them a dollar, and they say, okay, great, we'll take that dollar from 1800. Here is seven cents. It's actually a little less than seven, but rounded. Here's seven cents. Good luck. Have at it. Your purchasing power has eroded roughly, you know, what's that, 93, a uh, little more than 93%. And your dollar that bought whatever it bought back in 1800 now in, in 2018 can only buy seven cents worth of stuff. And the reason that is because things keep getting more expensive over time, at least they have. And that same dollar, so you get out of your time machine and then you only have the seven cents. Conversely, if let's say you got, you know, you're living in 2018, you got a dollar and you get in that time machine and you punch in 1800. Well, when you go back to 1800, what's going to happen is you're going to get out of that time machine. You're going to say, I have my 2018 uh, dollar and they're, they're going to hand you $14 and 76 cents. Uh, because that's the purchasing power uh, that you would have back then because you subtract all that inflation. Another way to look at this, let's say you take $100,000, go into that time machine in 1800, travel all the way to 2018, the end of 2018. You have your $100,000, get out of the time machine, you say, okay, I want to change my $1,800 bill or $100,000 in, uh, in 1800 in my pocket great, here's $6,773. Cause that's all the amount of good. That's your purchasing power, bringing that money forward, adjusting it for inflation. Your purchasing power has dropped from a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff in 1800, all the way down to $6,773. Same thing. You go back, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in 2018, get in the time machine, you get out at 1800, you get out of the a time machine and uh, somebody meets you and says, here's, uh, here's my $100,000 that I, I'm bringing back from 18, uh, 2018 to 1800 And they say, here's $1,476,275. So conceptually, this is one of the things that's a little bit difficult to understand. But it's the idea that if you have the same money that you had a long time ago, if there's inflation, the amount you can't buy, that same dollar doesn't buy as much as you go forward. And so when you hear people talk about the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar has been eroding, and sometimes people talk about 
how the Federal Reserve, how they've printed money or they've increased the money supply. We've had big inflation in the late 70s, early 80s. That has eroded people's purchasing power. And so that's what they're talking about. And, you know, there's been, we've had, if you take a look at the average inflation, so the simple average, and you went, you know, 2000, uh, let's say, I don't know, 1800 to 2018. If you take each year's increase or decrease, we have had deflationary periods, and you just did a simple average, the average over 218 years is about plus 1.39% a year. Meaning you take all the years, the simple average is prices go up by that much every year. If you use a period maybe 1913 to 2018, the simple average is uh, inflation of 3.23%, meaning prices on average rose over that period, simple average. And then if you look at, let's say, 1980 to 2018, uh, about 3.25, so not too much different. We haven't had as much inflation, especially since 2008. In fact, 2008 to the end of 2018 was only up plus 1.74. So, but historically, we've had inflation. What is kind of interesting, though, is, you know, and, and some people, maybe this is another episode of the podcast, talk about whether the Federal Reserve has been an inflationary thing or has caused a little bit of inflation because of expansion of the money supply. And then, of course, later on in the 70s, getting off the gold standard. But it is sort of interesting that, you know, that dollar in 1800 actually gained purchasing power. If you look uh, right around 1850, the purchasing power almost doubled. Again, we're using these these Vermont farmers numbers and some data that's, you know, maybe not as reliable. But it wasn't always that continually the dollar lost purchasing power. It lost purchasing power, I believe, during the Civil War when uh, we had some inflation to pay for that war in the U.S. And then it also lost some value in somewhere between 1910, 1921, and then really uh, went up again in the 1930s, uh, had some deflation around the, the Great Depression. But ever since then, it's really been a steady march downward. And so the value of that same dollar can't buy as much. And so that's kind of what they're talking about. We haven't had in this country what's called hyperinflation. And hyperinflation is where literally the money that's in your hand is just being devalued. It's it's like sitting out in 115 degree heat with an ice cube and it's just melting away. To give you some numbers on this, the two the two really unbelievable examples, well, there's a couple, but uh, Weimar, Germany, 1923-ish, if my memory serves me. Uh, but you know, if you read this, Google hyperinflation, Weimar, Germany, that's W-E-I-M-A-R, money uh, or basically inflation prices doubled just about every little over th- every three days. So you think about the loaf of bread, let's say, is a dollar, and three days later, it's $2. And three days later, it's, uh, what did I just say, $4, right? And then to eight. And then the other one was in Zimbabwe, and that was more recent. That was 2008. And in Zimbabwe in 2008, prices were doubling basically every 24 hours. In fact, if you Google loaf of bread Zimbabwe, 2008 hyperinflation, there's a picture of a a kid with just holding buckets of 
you know, a bunch of Zimbabwe dollars, uh, paper, paper currency. And the idea was that it actually cost 35 million Zimbabwe dollars for a loaf of bread in 2008 because inflation got so out of hand. So if you're interested in learning more about those, uh, go ahead and Google that. Uh, one fascinating thing, you know, Zimbabwe actually, that currency went out of circulation. So it, it yeah, obviously completely lost its value. They went to something else. And they had all these paper notes. In fact, at one point, they had a $100 trillion bill. So you think about a dollar bill, a $5 bill in the US. Uh, they had you know paper dollars. They, they had a bill that said $100 trillion Zimbabwe dollars. And you know, it was essentially worthless. Uh, I don't remember what the story was, but there's, there's places online that are now selling them. So you can get a Zimbabwe $100 trillion note and I think they're upwards of, I don't know, 180 bucks, 200 bucks now. So somebody bought these uh, worthless Zimbabwe dollars or $100 trillion notes and was selling them online. So anyway, so hyperinflation obviously is the extreme case, but inflation over time erodes purchasing power. And when we think about the idea of adjusting for inflation, Essentially, what's happening is you're saying, okay, if we have a price of something, um, you know, you, you probably heard or you talked to the people said, I remember when, you know, movies were 50 cents or a dollar and I walked uphill 17 blocks in the snow. Okay, maybe not 17 blocks in the snow. But when they say something was, you know, really cheap back then, that might be the case, but that's not on an inflation adjusted basis. That's on what's called a nominal basis. Remember, a nominal uh, number is not including any adjustments for inflation. So if somebody actually did pay a dollar, let's say, for a movie ticket way back when, and it's you know 10 bucks now, whatever it is, that's a nominal difference. It's kind of the same thing, let's say, if you make 10% on an investment, but inflation is 5%. Uh, the back of the napkin quick calculation is you take your nominal return of 10% minus your uh, minus inflation of 5%. And, you know, the, the estimate is your, your real return is only about 5%. The actual formula is to take one plus your nominal return divided by one plus the inflation rate. And the number is going to be a little different. But you've got to, you've got to adjust things for inflation. And so that's why when we take and we say, okay, I'm going to look at what a dollar was in 1800. And then I'm going to use that calculation where I'm taking the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, in this case in 1800, divided by the CPI in the year I want to do the inflation adjustment. And so, for example, if I'm looking at 1800 and the CPI was 51, and then I come down, I say, okay, well, in 2018, uh, I'm taking the 1800. CPI divided by the 2018 CPI. And then I've got basically a multiplier. So it's essentially, you know, only worth about 6.7%, 6.8% of what it once was. So I could take a price uh, today or a price back then, and I could raise that or adjust that up for inflation to give a comparison. In other words, if you were using 2018 dollars, Back in 1800, if something was 50 cents, well, you adjust it up to 2018 dollars. It is kind of interesting, though, 
you know, CNBC did, and of course linked to this, uh, they tried to illustrate kind of what happens with inflation and inflation adjustments. And so I'll link to this. CNBC had a graphic and they talked, they did things from 2016 and they said, you know, maybe 1976 to, you know, 2016, what if we inflation adjusted prices? Uh, By the way, if we look at a dollar, so we took a dollar, what it was worth in 1976, and then we said that same dollar, what's the purchasing power of a 1976 dollar in 2018? Well, it's only 23 cents. Remember our analogy, get into the time machine with a dollar in 1976, you come out in 2018, and now you can purchase with a 1976 dollar, only 23 cents worth of stuff today because inflation has raised prices. So that's made the same dollar worth less. You've lost purchasing power. All right. But we go back to that CNBC article. And so one of the things they said was, look, you know, in 1976, uh, gasoline was 60 cents a gallon. And I don't know where they got the number from, but I'll assume that's a good number. And but what we do is what we when we adjust for inflation, uh, we've got to take that 60 cent price and adjust it to two dollars and sixty-five cents. So in 2016 dollars, the price was two dollars and sixty-five cents. And then you look at price of gas in 2016, they say it was only a dollar ninety-six. I don't know where it was a dollar ninety-six. Feels like that's a little bit low, but so on an inflation-adjusted basis, at least according to their numbers. Uh, gasoline prices are actually cheaper once adjusting for inflation in 2016 than they were in 1976. Now, one of the things that makes this a little bit difficult and anything that has high embedded taxes in it, so depending upon the state, gasoline, you know, anywhere from, oh, I don't know, 20 cents to 40 cents a gallon, I think I've seen, you can Google that, but a lot of the price of gasoline uh, has taxes added into it. And so to really do that, you'd have to see what the taxes were back then. In other words, uh, maybe let's say if, if 2016, $1.96, but if there's 50 cents in taxes that weren't there in 1976, well, taxes has caused a big increase in that. But that's another story. Uh, they looked at a movie ticket in 1976. They said it was $2.13. In 2016, $8.65. But when you take the 1976 213 and you adjust it up for inflation, uh, prices on an inflation-adjusted basis are actually down from 940 to $8.65. Uh, so a lot of times when you adjust for inflation, things are actually cheaper. One that they had up here that was interesting, they had one Yankees ticket. So a Yankees ticket in 1976 was $5.50. And they're saying this is price per top box seat. So um, there's many different levels of ticketing and and areas of a stadium, but they're saying $5.50. Now here, clearly prices on a nominal basis and an inflation adjusted basis have gotten higher because in 2016, they're saying the average price at Yankee Stadium for Yankees uh, box seat, top box seat, whatever that is, is $245. So even if you take the 550, you adjust it up 
move $76 into, you know, adjusted for inflation for $24.27. That's still quite an increase in the price of a Yankees ticket. A couple other things that are kind of interesting, and this gets to, you know, when people look at the CPI index and for investors and why this is so important with not only keeping up with inflation, but growing the assets and growing them with a real return above inflation is that, you know, one of the the pushbacks a lot of people give on these CPI things is, look, I may not buy the same things that are in that CPI, and that CPI is weighted. So, you know, sticks of butter aren't weighted the same as, let's say, uh, rent cost or, you know, mortgage levels or whatever in there, right? Or education or healthcare. And especially as people get older, they spend more money on healthcare and less, let's say, on education or less on other things. So, that's one of the things, you know, people push back and they say, look, my personal inflation is really different. You look at medical costs, medical costs are up substantially uh, over the last X number of decades. Uh, let's say, you know, if, if you don't drive a car and buy gasoline, well, that's irrelevant to you. But if you rent and rents are up quite a bit, then, you know, your personal inflation is much higher. And so I agree that, you know, the CPI... Uh, may not reflect everybody's situation. But here's some numbers. If you look at rent prices, and I imagine these are monthly, although it doesn't indicate, what they're saying is in 1960, it was $71, $1980, $243, and $2,602. But then if you adjust for inflation, instead of 71 in 1960, the inflation-adjusted number is $589. The inflation-adjusted figure in 1980 is 740, and the inflation-adjusted number in 2000 is 857. So the inflation-adjusted rise in rent prices isn't quite as steep as the nominal rise in rent prices, which was about 750%. Um, After adjusting for inflation, the rise is still large, but it's only 46%. If you look at home prices, so what do we got here? Value of homes has risen 905% since the 1960s. With inflation, the increase is still 73%. Uh, but you look at a home price in 1960, it was 11900 but you adjust that for inflation, and it's 98681 uh, Interestingly enough, though, as we're on home prices, you know, a lot of people, obviously, if you're buying or selling a home, if you're selling a home and you've got a profit, there's some, uh, you know, not getting into taxes at all, but sometimes you owe capital gains. Uh, you know, your cost basis is not inflation adjusted. And that's an interesting point. Let's say that you bought a house for $11,900 in 1960 and you sold it in 2000 for $119,600. Well, your gain is the 119 and change minus the 11000 and change on a nominal basis. But really, if you're selling it for $119,000, but your cost basis was adjusted up to $98,000, potentially the, the gain would be a lot smaller if you adjust up for inflation the cost basis on assets. I did see something that the Treasury Department or the administration was looking at that. I'm not sure if it requires a vote or if the Treasury Department could just do it. Uh, but watch out for that, whether they ever do anything on adjusting 
assets, whether it's stocks, houses, or anything, uh, adjust the cost basis up for inflation because how much is a nominal gain, uh, including inflation, and how much is just inflation inflated the price of the asset? And so you're paying taxes on uh, the inflated value as well. Uh, college, another one. College, uh, 87, 88 uh, on tuition for one year, they're saying was 7,063. If you adjust for inflation, that moves to 15,160. And they're saying 2017, 18, the average is, wow, 34,740. Okay. So quite a bit of a jump, even after adjusting for inflation. And so this goes back to the whole idea of, you know, what is your personal inflation? What are the things that you are using the most? So hopefully this, this sort of makes sense. And when we look at returns, this is why there's that difference between a nominal return and an inflation-adjusted return, okay? So we call them nominal returns. That's just whatever you earned. Then, of course, the real return adjusts down for any inflation. In other words, if you made 5% on, on your investment, but the inflation was 5%, well, really, you didn't make anything because your purchasing power didn't change. Your purchasing power didn't go up. You can't buy more stuff. So this is a really important concept for especially those saving for retirement. And it's the idea that you probably need a little bit more growth than you think. And you also need real growth in real terms that not only keeps up with inflation, but also exceeds it. So your purchasing power can grow. And so Anyway, hopefully this uh, this made sense to you. Uh, if nothing else, I know I get questions a lot about, hey, I, I watched this video on YouTube or somebody was talking about how the dollar isn't worth as much and the Federal Reserve printing money has caused inflation. And there's been, you know, my, my uh, this asset is eroding over time. That's what they're talking about. And it's just kind of the idea, like we said, when you adjust for inflation back to, let's say, 1800 levels or 2018 levels, it just you lose purchasing power over time of that same dollar because things go up in price. Things go up in price. So you can, uh, I will put a link to the Minneapolis Fed numbers. You can look back 1800s, uh, including the index of prices paid by Vermont farmers for family living. Thank you to the Vermont farmers for keeping track of that so we can look at it in 2018. And I will also, I'll put a link to that CNBC article that did the inflation adjustments uh, from 1976 through, I think it was 2016, 2017. At least you can see a couple numbers. And now you know when somebody says, hey, I paid 25 cents for something, they may have. But in 2018 dollars, they paid more money for that. Why? Because the, the money back then was worth a lot more. All right, folks, we'll be back next week with another episode. Hopefully that cleared up and answered questions that you might have on inflation and purchasing power. And next time you're out talking to people, you'll look and, well, you'll look, you'll sound a lot smarter. All right, folks, have a great day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.